Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. Welcome back to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. We're your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. Our guest today is financial advisor and entrepreneurial-minded executive, Justin Smith. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely. So to jump right in, tell our listeners a little bit about your background, what got you into this industry, and then tell them about what you're working on right now. Yeah. So I've been in the wealth management and financial planning space for 18 years or so. Started right out of college. I had an interest in investments and taxes. And that led me to my first job doing uh, financial planning for corporate executives. So I've always just liked the kind of complexity that comes with tax planning for corporate executives and people in the C-suite. There's a lot of moving parts and I'm, I'm kind of drawn to that complexity. So my entire career has just been a continuation of that. Again, very much focused on taxes. And more recently, I've honed the focus to help people think about what we either call a hybrid retirement or semi-retirement. So opposed to the traditional model of work till 65 and have a full stop, maybe downshift a little bit earlier. Maybe in your 50s or early 60s, start thinking about pivoting to a hybrid career or downshifting. And there's a variety of different ways you can do that. Because what I'm finding is that people still want to deploy their professional expertise. They get fulfillment and purpose and compensation out of work, but they want to do it on their own terms, especially if you've been incredibly successful. You might find yourself in the position where you can make that trade-off. So if you do go that traditional approach, there's a whole host of financial planning considerations that pop up and kind of dedicated my practice to helping people with that unique journey. Excellent. That's great. So one of the tools that you have that you use with your clients is a workbook. Tell us a little bit about the workbook. Who's your target audience for that and what can they expect? Yeah, so the workbook is really distillation of my financial planning process. If I'm talking to somebody who's in their 50s or 60s and they're either thinking they might get downsized or they want to take an intentional downshift or maybe they got presented with a early retirement offer, they often start thinking about all these different questions. What am I gonna do about cash flow? What am I gonna do about health insurance? What am I gonna do about my employee benefits, taxes? How's that gonna work? And aligning all your financial resources together, that's what I created the workbook for. It is my financial planning process put into a PDF so that people can start working on their own if they'd like to get clear on what their vision is for the next chapter, the big picture goals that they want to have, and then the action plan to help them achieve that with their financial base. So that is, again, a free resource I'm happy to provide to anybody who's interested. There's also a companion on-demand webinar that explains it as well. And it's all featured prominently on my LinkedIn page as well. So that's really the cornerstone, my practice and my financial planning process as well. That's great. Could you tell us a story about maybe a particular client that has gone through this that you've really kind of helped shift the trajectory of what their retirement looks like? Yeah, absolutely. And I have so many different stories. Obviously, won't name names or bring out any specifics, but the thing that comes up most frequently, and it's interesting how similar a lot of these stories are, 
somebody who is 58 years old and they thought they were going to go till 63 or 65 maybe, right? So they were on a great track. They'd done a great job saving and being diligent at that stage in their career as well. You know, the mortgage was just about paid off. Their kids were through college. So household expenses were getting a little bit lower and they got this early retirement package and said, hey, you know what? I didn't think I was, you know, I'm not out of gas yet, but this is, this offer is too good to pass up. I'm going to go ahead and take this and maybe take a sabbatical to figure out what I want to do next. Then they took the time, maybe six months, just to decompress, get out of the corporate world, figure out what do I want to do next? Because you have decades and decades in front of you still at that stage in life. It's not like you're just trying to squeeze out five or 10 good golden years and then sign off. There's a lot left. There's a lot of professional and intellectual gas in the tank too. And that's often what I find after that kind of retirement honeymoon or sabbatical period, they're itching to get back out there. But they also are not itching to get back into Monday morning flights across the country, red eyes back home on Thursday night, three-hour budget meetings on Zoom that go late into the night. So they kind of can start developing a list of non-negotiables. This is what I want from work. And these are the things I absolutely do not want from work. And they can start kind of creating a vision for what they want work and their life to look like in this next chapter. Then they can kind of start setting up goals. like, And that can look like, for instance, I want to take my specific knowledge in my field, what's called engineering, right? And say, I know this process, this lean manufacturing process at multinationals, and I know it better than anybody else. I can apply that knowledge as a consultant. I can work three days a week for three month chunks and take one project at a time and just see how that goes. I get to do, don't get on planes. I don't travel. I don't work past four o'clock in the afternoon. I don't work on Fridays. Those kinds of things they set up as intentional guardrails for how they want work to look. It's definitely not easy. You can't just, those opportunities are not sitting on a shelf. They're not a job posting. They have to go out there and create them and have the kind of courage and entrepreneurial spirit to go create something like that. But when people do work through that process, find and design their new kind of hybrid retirement or victory lap, as we like to call it, career, it is almost every single time something they wish they had done sooner because they're getting everything that they love and enjoy out of work and none of the stuff they never liked in the first place. And they're getting typically getting paid really handsomely for it as well. So that's kind of the typical story that I see. And again, that's a really simplified, streamlined version of it. There's a lot of complicated stuff that can slow you down and distract you or stress you out when you're going through that process. And that's where I come in, right? What we didn't talk about is where does the paycheck come from? After the severance stops, how do you pay the bills every month? Obviously, most people at this position have financial resources, but turning that into a tax-efficient retirement paycheck or a bridge until things pick up is really challenging. Another one's healthcare. Maybe you have COBRA insurance or something like that or spousal coverage you can lean on, but oftentimes if you're not 65 yet, health insurance coverage is gonna be incredibly expensive. You need a plan for how you're gonna pay for it, where you're gonna get it, what type of coverage you're gonna get. If you're gonna do an ACA policy, maybe are you gonna to try to qualify for the subsidies? There's a lot of moving parts there. The next one is often there's employee benefits to think about too, right? 
You've got, maybe you have restricted stock or stock doctrines. Maybe there's pensions, deferred compensation. How you stack up and line up all those items, make sure you get the most possible value out of them is really important. Same with your 401k or 403b. What you do with those is, is really critical. Taxes, like I mentioned as well, that's kind of my favorite part of this whole deal because we can move the needle so much with tax planning is figuring out you've been at a very high level for probably decades, right? Probably paying in one of the highest tax brackets, if not the top tax bracket. You might felt, might find yourself a year or two later in foreign territory in a very low tax bracket. Now that on the surface is really nice, but if you foresee yourself potentially building back up to a higher tax bracket later, what this is, is a really important opportunity to potentially shift things around on your balance sheet, take advantage of those low rates. And we like to do things like Roth IRA conversions, or maybe you have significant appreciation in stocks or real estate that you've been amassing over the years. That might be the perfect time to sell them at relatively low tax rates relative to where you've been in the past or where you might be in the future. So I like to tell people, you need to map out what your life looks like from a tax perspective, not just this year, not just looking backwards in the rearview mirror, but you need to look forward one years, five years, 10 years plus, and figure out what the landscape looks like, what's a good year, what's a bad year, what's a high year, what's a low year, and trying to even it out, try to find your own tax equilibrium, and that can deliver a tremendous amount of lifetime tax savings as you work through the process. That's great. I had a bunch of very specific questions and yep. you actually answered 90% of those and what you just said. So that was perfect. Stan, what questions do you have? So Justin, I've done a lot of work over the years for retirees too. And one of the things I've found really common is when somebody comes in to see me and they just retired or they're about to retire, what they tell me is they're looking forward to not working and playing golf. And then when I talk to them six months later, it's a whole different conversation. Yep. And what I've learned is they're not playing golf very much, but they're over at the school teaching English as a volunteer. So, you know, I know you're Phoenix, right? And you have no shortage of retirees in your part of the world. I'm really curious to know, like, what's your observation about the role of uh, charitable work or philanthropy as a part of the that retirement experience? From my experience, that's become a huge part for a lot of people, right? It's It's a component. Because when you're working full-time, between the little bit of amount of time and energy you have in your life is carved out, and then work is taking over everything else. After the big W work is off the table, there's so much room. And you need to think about it more like a portfolio, or you're playing your hand of cards. You want to have a mix of different things. And oftentimes, charitable work, whether it's serving on boards, volunteering, doing leadership there. There's all sorts of opportunities. And I find that often is, you know, one of the plays in people's playbook is that charitable involvement. And you're absolutely right on that six month rule. When the finish line is inside at work, the only thing they can talk about is I can't wait to play golf every single day. And after they've played 20 rounds of golf or 50 rounds of golf, and they're not getting the same emotional connection to their colleagues and social interaction and intellectual stimulation and purpose and fulfillment, they realize eh, I'm still itching to do something else here. I don't know what's missing, but something's missing. I need to go apply myself somewhere. And again, that's where consulting work or freelancing or volunteering, all those things start coming into place. So that's one way to do it. Perfect world if you can, instead of waiting for that six month 
honeymoon period to wear off, just think a couple years ahead. If you can start planting the seeds for your consulting business or your freelancing or for your volunteering work, whatever it might be, those things that you want to have, those components of your ideal life, start planting seeds for those a year or two earlier to give them time to grow. You're going to iterate on things. Nobody's plan one year before retirement is looks exactly the same as one year after retirement. There's usually drastic changes. It's because they've had time to experiment and iterate. So why don't you get that process started earlier and figuring out, I think I'm going to volunteer three days a week at the YMCA and serve on the school board. Well, after six months or 12 months of that, you might figure out that the school board's not my thing and I want to go all into YMCA. You might as well get those trains running earlier rather than later. So Justin, do you have a process? I mean, if you connect with a client or a prospective client who's on approach to retirement, what does that conversation look like? How do you explain the process? And, and probably, maybe my answer is, if I downloaded your workbook, I probably would get the answer to that. But maybe there's a, yeah. a short answer you could share with us here. Yeah. So the high-level overview of the process is, I like to kind of break it into two two big meetings. One of them, which is a discovery meeting, where we want to really get clear on what your vision is for the next chapter. We can start assembling that by figuring out what's important to you. Is it time with family? Is it your legacy? Is it professional involvement? Is it applying your skills? Is it learning new skills? Whatever it might be, figuring out what's most important to you and what you want to do, what you don't want to do, and articulating your vision. That is absolutely step one. Figuring out where you want to go then we can start drawing the roadmap to how to get there. That's where we start breaking down some goals. What are work goals? What are your time and activity goals? What are your money goals? What are your health and activity goals? That's often really important things because one or more of those things have probably taken a back seat when you're in a hard charging career. And now is the time to get intentional and say, I am going to dedicate and make my health and wellness a bigger priority than work. It's going to be at spot number two instead of spot number five on my priority list. But again, the beauty of this is you get to decide that. So step two, again, is figuring out those goals. And then that's where I also collect a bunch of the quantitative data so I can start putting together a plan that's going to solve, again, for those five key financial components that I mentioned before, cash flow, healthcare, benefits, taxes, and investments. Then the second step of the process, if we're working together, is to come together and I will give my recommendations and planning strategy. It's kind of collaborative process where we're tinkering and tweaking and dialing the different knobs, but show people that, yes, this is possible. If we connect all of your resources and the goals that you have, we can put them in together in such a way that it's going to work and it's going to be successful. So it's a really fulfilling process for me because I get to see this rapid change and transformation in people. And like you mentioned, the workbook has all that spelled out. Obviously, you don't have that one-to-one professional guidance, but it is the exact same process, the exact same issues that we're addressing in that workbook in a do-it-yourself fashion. So in the things I've read about you, some things I've read say that you have expertise in, in strategic development, expertise in motivating productive behavior. I'm, I'm reading it right designing effective organizational constructs, con- conducting product policy assessments. So how does that skill set figure in? I mean, for some clients, are you an accountability backstop? So when they share with you what their goals are, you know, one of the things I know is that if you're not held to account for those things, if nobody calls you on it, then quite often they never get off the runway. 
Exactly. Yeah. Accountability is a huge part of it, right? Part of it is similar to a personal trainer, right? Part of it is them having, applying their expertise and knowing you need exercise A and not exercise B. You need to eat food C and not food D, but also holding them account and reporting that back. And a lot of times, again, when we're talking about that vision and their goals, those are things they'd never really crystallized and said out loud. And when we say them out loud, when we put them on paper, when we put metrics and activities around them, that makes it real. And they know that, hey, we've got a meeting scheduled next quarter. I've got to deliver on that. Accountability is a big part of it. So accountability plus advice and kind of just counsel is really important. That is awesome. I love this. I do too. So for our listeners, Justin, after having, you've been doing this for a while now, if you could give our listeners one piece of advice, one piece of wisdom that you have gleaned from all of your years, kind of tweaking and creating these crossroads plans, what would that piece of advice be? Start earlier than you think you need to. Be, be deliberate about it. Don't just dream. Take it out of the dream stage and start making it concrete reality. And the sooner you can do that, the better. Because again, if we're just dreaming about playing golf every day, once work stops, you have no way to test if that's actually what you want. It's a dream phase. Take it into an actual real vision of what you want your perfect day, perfect month, perfect year to look like. And then again, start developing a plan that's going to help make that a reality. That's great. Wise words. I think that is terrific advice, actually. Yeah. And that terrific advice for a lot of things that we do, not just retirement. Exactly. Yeah. You can apply that same framework to a lot of different areas of your life. That is true for sure. Well, Justin, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would like our listeners to know? I'll, I'll give one more plug for proactive tax planning. I think it's really the most overlooked thing in the financial planning and investment management world is that this wealth management world has been so focused on the investment side of things. We haven't paid enough attention to taxes. I make it my mission to really, really focus in on taxes because that's where we can move the needle. So I'd say if that's not a core critical element of your financial plan, you should start looking around and figuring out what am I potentially missing? What opportunities am I not capitalizing on? What potholes might I be stepping into that I could otherwise avoid? So I think having a tax plan not just tax preparation, but a tax plan that's looking forward and strategic is something that everybody at all stages really could benefit from integrating into their financial life. Wise words, great advice. Thank you so much. Well, for all of our listeners, this has been the Legacy Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Stan Miller and Katie Beth Hand. And our guest today was Justin Smith. For more information on Justin or the work that he does, you can find his website on savantwealth.com and we'll link it for you in the show notes. We will also link his link for LinkedIn so that you can access the Career Crossroads workbook and get access to his webinar. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Likewise. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.